You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one and welcome all to truly the greatest show of them all. It is 8.05 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are five minutes late for a very good reason here on the Blogging the Boys Roundtable. It is Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. We are live on the Blogging the Boys YouTube channel, the Blogging the Boys Twitch channel, and the Blogging the Boys Facebook page. You can watch us live on any one of these platforms, or you can catch the rewatch at your own convenience. You can also listen to this show on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you subscribe to our podcast network or watch our YouTube channel at any point, really between the beginning of time and now, you will have seen uh, all of these faces. You obviously hear them all on a weekly basis on the podcast network. I am the the least cool person here today. I have the least amount of time spent um, in blogging the boys editing space of uh, the the other three horsemen here tonight. My name is Arjo Ochoa and going in clockwise order for the visual audience, Danny Phantom, you Danny are wonderful, but might be the least special guest along with me here tonight, given wow. your frequency on the round table. That's how I feel. You know, you got a couple of the OGs here and I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's nice to kind of feel a little bit more sprightly youthful, you know, a talker to, tonight, but at the same time, you got a lot, we got a lot of experience, you know, here. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a little nervous with these guys, uh, joining us well Danny, you are an og um when it comes to btb again i'm i'm the newbie here um i'm i'm truly zach braff um at sacred heart relative to all of you uh rabble rouser the one and only the infamous some are saying the og behind by the numbers and so many other fantastic productions at blog of the boys rabble everybody hears you on the star seminar on fridays but thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the round table absolutely i am an og an old geriatric and so uh, I'm here with, and with my fellow geriatric, who you're going to introduce in just a moment. Happy to be here and uh, loaded up on Geritol, ready to go. Uh, Rabble, you were one of the few BTBers who I've met in person. There is nothing geriatric about you. You could run a 5K <laughs> like walking out of bed. Uh, so um, I will not allow and stand for that. Tom Ryle was our knight in shining armor here tonight. Uh, Tony Catalina could not show up. Uh, last second notice. Hope all is well with Tony. Uh, Danny fired up the bat signal, and Tom, you came in on your white horse. Um, how powerful do you, you feel knowing that you are better than all of us? Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just it occurs to me that, RJ, you're the only one of this that I have not met in person because uh, I met Rabs and, and Danny out at uh, training camp at Oxnard a couple of years ago. So it's, you know, it's good to see him again. Uh, but we're not going to hold that against you, RJ, because hopefully there will be opportunities in the future. Um, I have not met Danny in person, but I have met Rabble. Uh, we were at a Whole Foods and we had a big old meetup. We gave away a bunch of T-shirts. Um, so it was a great time. Although Tom and Danny, you each got one of those T-shirts. So it all worked out for you. Uh, Rabble, Tom, you have not been here in a while. Danny's been on like 14 roundtables in a row. But you do remember that these are games. They are uh, contests. And we've had some points from the crowd come out. People very excited to see Tom. No offense to you, Danny. Some offense maybe to you, Rabble. Rabble, you have five points already on the night. Tom, you are out in front with 10. 
Um, it, <laughs> it feels like this could be your night, Tom. Uh, it never feels like it could be my night, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom, Kevin has noted that he hopes that you enjoyed a nice cigar after Sunday night's victory. Can you confirm whether that did or did not happen? I can confirm that I enjoyed a nice cigar after it was all over, and that was a very enjoyable evening. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Kevin says, star seminar in the house. Rabble, how does it feel to know that millions of people look forward to hearing your voice every Friday afternoon? I think both of the people who tune in regularly, uh, I'm deeply, deeply grateful for your listening. Uh, okay, Danny, Casey has given Tom 25 points just for being here. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I, I'm sort of the, the moderator here um, at, at tonight's, you know, uh, national convention. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's good to know that people are kind of ready to hand things out. Don't you think, Danny? Again, Danny, you're getting no love in the comments. Oh. Right? It's, it's kind of understandable. It is understandable, and you know what? When when Tom said you gave gave the okay, I knew what I was in for tonight. So I mean, you got these guys here. It's you know I'm I'm kind of just sit back and I'm gonna just enjoy the show like everyone else. So uh, uh, not not concerned at all. So it's it's just we're good like, to see these guys. We're like backup quarterbacks. Everybody loves us till we get in the game. Um, well, I do want to say uh, it is very cool to be here with all of you. I asked Dave Halpern to join. Uh, I didn't tell you that, Rabble, and he could not. Uh, but it is because of people like Dave Halpern, like Danny Phantom, like Rabble Rouser, like Tom Ryle, that I was able to come to BTB and be a part of it. That so many of you who like Vlogging the Boys and what we do and what we have done forever, uh, it was built on the shoulders and the hard work of these fine gentlemen and many other people, obviously Raph and so many others, KD, uh, Joey Ike. So well done. Uh, hopefully we have a fun conversation. Y'all are the best. So moving forward, uh, we have a topic uh, to get in mind. Tom was not prepped for it. Uh, so, Tom, that means you get to go first. Um, you're a guinea pig, of course. And I do want to say that one of our comments was kind of cool here. By the way, uh, Watsamata has offered a super chat and said, if the Cowboys can make it rain, so can I. The Cowboys are obviously <laughs> putting up a lot of points here today. Casey noted, Tom, that while you and I haven't met in person, we can all meet up in person at the Super Bowl parade, uh, being optimistic this holiday season. A Merry Christmas to everybody. Danny, Nathan is happy to see you. All uh, right, Nathan. Uh, all right. So, so we're on all the aware. Board. Uh, so well, Nathan didn't offer any points. Uh, just, just mentioned your name. Uh, so, um, Tom, we are talking tonight about things we trust the most and the least about the Dallas Cowboys. We have some comments that can kind of springboard some discussions again. Um, you really showed up and, and saved us. What direction do you want to go, Tom? Most or least you get to start tonight. Well, I've, I've got one of each. But I think I'll start with the one I'm most confident in, in right now. And that is Mike McCarthy's play calling. Mm. I Preach. think he has, he has been doing an incredible job uh, since they had their bye week and kind of got this train back on the tracks after it kind of run off of the rails a little bit. And I, I mean, what the offense is doing right now, uh, you have to give credit to the talent on the field, obviously, but McCarthy is doing a beautiful job of putting them in a position to succeed and just out calling the opposing defense. Uh, I love what he's doing. A lot of people have really, you know, questioned him in some, in some ways, but I don't see how you can question what he's been doing the past few games. Uh, the offense is just humming. 
Dak Prescott is thriving, and so are so many of his weapons. So I I really trust that McCarthy's going to go into Buffalo and beyond with a good game plan and be able to stress any defense he goes up against. Rabble, it's interesting. Um, people almost use the way the Cowboys performed before the San Francisco game, or through it, I guess, as a slight against McCarthy. Say, well, he really didn't you know, do a good job until CeeDee Lamb wanted to be involved. What a horrible quality in, in a head coach and a play caller that he listened to the best players on his team and, you know, fed into what made them work and saw productive results as, as a, you know, kind of result of it all. Like what, what a horrible thing that Mike McCarthy is that humble. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I take issue with that, with that whole analysis anyway, the before the buy and after the buy, I think it's, it's a lot more fair to look at it as before Tyron Smith was healthy and after Tyron Smith was healthy. Well those said. things happen. Those things happen to correspond. And I really believe that Tyron Smith being there solidified the offensive line to the point where he felt like he could open the playbook. He didn't change what he wanted to do. He just had to limit it because he knew his offensive line wasn't able to block yet for those slow developing plays that, um, that, you know, has, has Dak at the top of the quarterback chart since the bye. Danny, it's, um, it's appropriate that you invited Tom uh, and that he's already picked up so much love because he poked at a subject that you, don't really like, uh, which which is giving Mike McCarthy props. Now, uh, David Hellman was also previously scheduled to be on this particular episode. And when he bowed out, you said, oh, man, I was so ready to give Mike McCarthy all of his props. And I didn't know if you were being facetious or not. Uh, but this this is easily Mike McCarthy's brightest hour um, since he's become the play caller of the Dallas Cowboys. So I imagine that you are uh, here with flowers in hand to hand out. I have a flower or two. <laughs> Um, I, I am one of his biggest critics and, you know, I, I will argue, you know, that I have some good reasoning for such, um, but absolutely. I mean, I've been very pleased with, with what McCarthy's doing and I make sure to get my t- tweets out accordingly. So people, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being objective. I, I believe that he's doing a good job. Um, now that's not to say that I have the same level of trust that Mr. Tom has, uh, cause that's clear, clearly not the case, but for sure the things that's done and, you know, Rab's mentioned the offensive line, you know, you mentioned, you know, CD lamb thing. I, I think there's a lot of different things that really make you stop and look like, why is worst thing so bad? And I mean, it was really, I w- went back and watched three, watched the Arizona game. And I'm thinking, why is he taking five minutes off the clock when we're down to sc- just little things? This just drives me crazy. And, um, so, I have my issues with him, but I most definitely think that he is doing a fantastic job. I definitely feel better about, you know, the direction the team's going. And, and, you know, the whole answer of, like, is McCarthy going to be the difference maker, you know, or is he not? And, I mean, now there's some weight over here that where I think that, you know, he's got a shot to to make all of his uh, doubters, you know, uh, be happy. And, uh, you know, I'm one of those for sure. Tom, um, you mentioned trusting Mike McCarthy as a play caller specifically. Um, I'm at a place where I trust Mike McCarthy just overall. Um, the effect is indisputable. I mean, he has executed, you know, three straight now consecutive uh, double-digit winning seasons for the Cowboys. He's on the precipice of a third straight playoff season for the Dallas Cowboys, things that haven't been done since the mid-90s. He has a 15-game home winning streak going on. One of the more impressive things that he's done 
uh, as the head coach of this team that now feels so far in the rearview mirror was he survived time without Dak Prescott, not just last year when the thumb injury happened, but in 2020. I know the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't fall apart the way they did in 2015 when Tony Romo got hurt or 2010. I know that was Wade Phillips before he was fired. But I mean, that looking back, 2020 might have been the, the truest and most conclusive sign that he really was a coach that would, you know, kind of roll up his sleeves and get to work. And so I, I think, Tom, we're at a place where it's undeniable. And again, I recognize that this there was an incredibly long drought of, of success here, but it still is. But Mike McCarthy is the best coach this franchise has had since Jimmy Johnson, I think. Yeah. And I also think he's arguably the most flexible because, uh, you know, we've seen some coaches, you know, I won't throw any names out there, but some coaches that have insisted on doing it their way, even when circumstances dictated that maybe they shouldn't be doing it their way. And McCarthy clearly has turned the dials and tuned things in and gotten on the right frequency with things. And, you know, and it's just, there's, there's, you know, I love the fact that he basically has said, you know, Tyron Smith don't need no stinking practices and they are apparently resting a lot of players and their health seems to be very good. Uh, You know, Jonathan Hankins was the first notable injury in several games. And uh, that I think that health is so important at this time of year. And I think that's an advantage that Cowboys have right now over the majority of NFL teams. Rabble Mike has made it a point to prioritize that prioritize player health Mm -hmm. and player wellness um again it's these tiny little things and we go back to what he said when he first got the job how he had a plan about how he wanted everything to kind of unfold and obviously covid changed literally the world but i mean it it threw everything into whack in terms of how he wanted his first season to unfold and he adapted and i think that that's the biggest thing is we've seen a level of adaptation from him that really was absent from all of his predecessors yeah i think that one of the things that he really wants to do is he wants to get his team two week 17 healthy and and ready to go he understands that you know sacrificing wins for injuries especially early in the season is not uh, a kind of reasonable trade-off and so i think you know we talked earlier about the performance before the buy and i think a lot of a lot of the questions that arise from that can be answered when we think about okay if your goal is to get everyone healthy and the most important person to stay healthy is your quarterback um then you're going to call plays. You're going to have an offensive philosophy. You're going to play the kind of complimentary football that protects him at all costs, because you, if you need to lose a game or two so that he's playing at the, at his peak in week 17 and 18 and beyond, then that's a trade-off that you make. If you have a, if you have a, clarity about the bigger picture. And I think one of the things that McCarthy has above all else is clarity about the bigger picture. And we can actually see that by the way he conducts practices and training camp. He's thinking about how much of these guys running now, because we have to get them healthy and then we have to keep them fresh in December. So he's, he's thinking six months out when he's, when he's, uh, you know, doling out snaps in training camp. And that's the kind of far reaching vision that, um, you know, I don't know that his predecessors had. Um, Danny, I don't want to put words in Rabble's mouth, but he talked about clarity on the bigger picture. I would also add that Mike has confidence in the bigger picture, which is something that was definitely absent in the eras prior to Mike McCarthy. There was no guarantee that the Cowboys would be playing 
I wouldn't say necessarily meaningful football in December, but playing into January and deep into January. And it's not a question under Mike McCarthy. It's a formality. And we can sit here and we can pick and we can say, well, I'd rather have the one seed. I'd rather be the division winner. I'd rather have these games be at home. The Cowboys have this home winning streak. But Mike is under the impression of it doesn't matter how we get there. Let's get a ticket to the dance. We'll figure it out. To Rabble's point, as long as the quarterback is healthy, if we have to compromise a win here to there, the week three loss against Arizona, in the name of the bigger picture, that's what matters the most. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that's I know I know he has confidence in his team. I mean, he has a good team. There, this is a good football team, so there's no doubt about that. Um, I feel like I guess for me, it, what what's really going to enlighten me is when we get to that point, are we going to see McCarthy like calling the good plays or whatever, or just are we going to see him coaching really well in those moments um then it will provide more evidence to like grab's theory about like you know these early game sacrifice early season sacrifices don't matter as much because they got it together when it counts and i tell you what uh you know when you look at the game against philly and what we just seen and it, during the stretch even uh even the philly loss in, in my opinion i feel like they got it together i feel like we're seeing it uh there's there's little parts of it so i i know that there's this story is still needs to be told and what you know we want to wait for this other chapter that we're all waiting for that that extends beyond the divisional round but i don't i certainly think that we're on a good path and there's some evidence to to give us some some good um good feeling about this so yeah it's you know it's good but uh you know there's just there's still to me um questions that need to be answered um, okay, great start to the evening, Tom. You are out to a commanding lead so far with 58 points. Rabble, you have 45. The crowd being very generous to you both. Tom's hanging Danny, a 50 burger on us already. Um, Dana, you've picked up some, um, I guess I'll call them sympathy points. People feeling really bad for you having to talk about Mike McCarthy. Uh, so, so just kind of throwing them your way. Uh, but I mean, points are points. Um, that's really what this ultimately comes down to. Uh, so that being said, Rabble, um, you were kind of our privileged guest before Tom had the audacity to show up. Uh, so where would you like to go next? Spin the wheel, thing you trust the most, or at least about the Cowboys right now. I'll tell you what I trust the most. I trust Dak to win the league MVP. Mm. And here's why I trust him. If you look at, at the teams that have left, everyone's been looking at these next four games and saying, wow, this is a really tough stretch. This is a tough stretch of games. I don't necessarily trust them to win all of the, those games, but I trust him to absolutely light up the scoreboard. Because if you look at these teams, they are all good teams, but they're good teams because they have strong and explosive offenses. But they also, they all, every single team he has le left has a very, very weak defense. If the Cowboys lose, it's going to be in a shootout. They're going to lose 41 38. They're not going to, they're not going to lose because the offense gets shut down. Most of these games are going to uh, garner some kind of national spotlight, just like the game last week against, uh, against Philadelphia did. Dak is going to put up points. He's going to make great throws. He's going to do all the things he's been doing and the entire nation is going to see him and it's going to be undeniable. And so uh, he's, I think he's already in the lead and I don't think that these teams have what it takes to take that away from him. I think that's really well said. Dak is the betting favorite, depending on whatever sports book you look at, um, which speaks to what he's been doing. I wrote an article at our site a month ago. I don't know if any of you read it. If you didn't, what the hell? Uh, but prior to the Carolina Panthers game, Dak was plus 3,500 to win MVP. Um, and my argument was like, look, he's about to play, to your point, Rabble, some big time games. Obviously, Thanksgiving isn't a primetime game, but it's it's a bigger than primetime game. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the Thursday night game. They had Sunday night game. 
And my argument was he's playing really well at this point. He had all the things, you know, bells and whistles, EPA per play and individual PFF grades and all sorts of stuff. And lo and behold, he lit it up in front of the entire world. And I think another argument to your point, Rabble, is these other candidates are kind of withering and falling around him, uh, which are only exacerbating the issue. So, Tom, Dak Prescott MVP. Uh, I know that some people in the chat are saying, why do you guys care about this? I think I speak for Rabble and saying that's not the most important thing. Uh, no. But it is something that we would like to see happen nevertheless, Tom. Well, I will, I will kind of modify it a little bit. I trust that Dak Prescott is going to deserve MVP. Uh, I don't know that the votes will actually show up because there's a lot of people out there that are making money off of hating on the Cowboys, and I don't know how the voting for MVP works and whether that might influence some of them. Uh, but basically, I think this is another way of just saying how much trust we have in four. Absolutely. He, he he is just he is playing the best football of his career. Uh, how he is, you know, he's always been pretty good at reading the field and seeing what's going on, but his vision is just, I would say, eagle sharp. But you know, I don't like to use any kind of uh, word relating to that particular team as a form of praise. Uh, he he just he's doing some wonderful things and dropping some some real darts in. I mean, his passes to Gallup and to uh, Cooks uh, during the Eagles game were just like right there. Uh, he put one right on Jake Ferguson's hands, uh, you know, and th then we get to watch Ferguson out there just mauling defenders, which I always love. Uh, yeah, he he is just he, – he is right now, I think, if you, if you, if you want to rephrase it, who is the best quarterback in the NFL in December of 2023? I will argue it is Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, Mahomes is having his frustrations, which may not be all his fault. Uh, and, you know, Purdy is doing really well, but I don't think you can argue that Purdy is at the level that Dak is. And, you know, outside of, Outside of him, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson plays a completely different kind of game. Uh, and, you know, we saw one of the supposed MVP candidates pretty much trash that on Sunday night. So I just, you know, this this to me is what we're really saying. We have faith in Dak Prescott. As it relates to the MVP, um, obviously being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys comes with a lot of pros, but it is a huge handicap um, as it relates to things like this. Um, and the fact that Dak has kind of powered through that and become the betting favorite really speaks to how well he's playing. Uh, Danny, a mutual friend of all of ours, somebody who I believe we all have met in person, uh, Mr. Yuma, uh, Bill, mm -hmm. the great Bill. Um, he made a point in a previous chat. I don't know if Bill's here tonight. If not, he usually rewatches or, or listens at some point when he isn't listening to the star seminar. I know that's his favorite show around here, but whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, Bill noted, and I think we all agree here. I don't mean to be long winded. 2014 Tony Romo was so tragic because it was kind of the peak of Romo's, um, you know, kind of neurological powers, right? The, the the peak of his understanding of the game. And he just was at a point where his body physically could not kind of last any longer. Uh, again, a great tragedy that was kind of emblematic of his entire career. I think we all agree that Dak is, is at that cerebral place now. Uh, but he has the physical power to not only withstand the punishment of being an NFL quarterback, but to lean into the benefits that being physical can provide. So this is kind of the, the prince that we were promised, so to speak, nine years ago, which is what's so exciting. And Romo obviously came close to winning the MVP in 2014, which is what we're talking about right now. But that's what's mm -hmm. so exciting about the ripple effect it has on the team overall. 
Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, I think you're you're right. And, and I mean, look at Prescott and what he, how he's playing both mentally and physically is just, I mean, I don't know that we've seen this in, in quite some time, or I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen it, to be quite honest. And no, no, no disrespect to Troy Aikman and how good he was too. But I mean, Dak is doing a lot of great things. And I feel like there's a couple of things. First off, you know, Rabble telling me he's confident about winning MVP doesn't really carry any weight to me. I mean, but like when Joy Taylor is saying it now, I mean, it's like she's at the, I mean, Dak's at the top of that list. I mean, look, I mean, he's turning some heads here because these people do not want to give this guy credit and you just can't not give him credit now. Mm. And so most definitely, but another thing too, I think like, I think the charger game to me was kind of one of the big eye opening moments because it was like Dak's almost kind of just saying, you know, enough of this. I'm just going to do it. You know, I mean, I don't think it was the plan for him to run for 40 yards and, and run around the pocket all the time and do all that stuff that he was doing, uh, but he did it. And it's almost like he's just saying, Hey, I'm that guy. So what are you going to do? You're going to use me or not. And it just, from that point on, I just feel like it's like, you got to use this guy's talent and he's, he's just been great. I don't even know what else to, to, to say about him that hasn't been said already. I think like, I agree with Tom that he's definitely will, whether he wins it or not, He's MVP worthy for sure. And I do agree with Rabs as far as the scheduling goes. He's going to have opportunities because they're going to have to keep up with scoring. So, I mean, the table set there. And, and I do have all the confidence in the world in Prescott. Uh, I think the table is set from a uh, theatrical standpoint this Sunday specifically. The Cowboys go to Buffalo, kind of a, a, a not fidget, but, you know, cooler game. Uh, you know, outdoors, like, again, it's it's just, it's the movie you want to see Dak Prescott kind of add an exclamation point to all of this. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's really exciting. I mean, when was, I guess we are talking about the subject of trust, so to kind of segue off of your point, Rabble, the last time you had this level of trust in the Dallas Cowboys quarterback was when? And it could be a Dak Prescott season. But so 2023 Dak is relative to who in your mind? I would say 2021 Dak. I mean, there was, when he was cooking before the new, up to the New England game before he got hurt. Um, and I, I, I'm going to say a couple of things about Dak. Like, I think I think he is having a better season than he's had. He's moved his game up, but it, it isn't a precipitous move up. I think he's always been this guy. I think the real difference is that he's experiencing some things that guys like Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy experience, which is that his offensive coordinator is allowing him easy button plays with much greater frequency. There's a lot of times where guys are just, the, the scheme is getting guys wide open. The um, defenses are overcompensating, you know, and, and, and there are open guys as a result. And um, so he's not forced to do the things he did last year, which is nobody's open. The line's caving in around me. I ha have no choice because it's third and long. Cause we just ran the ball on first and second down for three yards. I have no choice, but to try to fit the ball into a small window because that's the only way we can uh, sustain this drive. That's not happening now with nearly a, the, the same frequency. He does do that occasionally, but he's but he's not having to do that all the time. And so um, he's able to play freer. And, and the other thing is, and this is something I, I do think he's he's better at, which is the n navigating that transition from play in structure to play out of structure. Like uh, so, like he he's not um, holding on to the play that's it, uh, the sort of the structured play. He's like, as soon as that structure play isn't there, boom, he's transitioning to out of it where he can then be that freelancing guy. And he's always been good at that. But he, I think he's always struggled a little bit about when to do that. Or maybe he was told, you know, not, not to do that so quickly or something. Uh, but it feels like he's, his timing on that transition is just impeccable this year. And I think that's, that's really, if anything, that's where he's, 
he's uh, improved his game. Yeah, Tom, Danny mentioned how Dak has this potential disposition of like, I'm I'm this guy, I'm that guy, I am him, as the kids like to say. I know you all three are very well aware of that lingo. Um, but Tom, it almost to me feels like I've been the one that has dealt with all of this, right? Like heavy is the head that wears the crown of, of QB1 of the Dallas Cowboys. And while Tony Romo was the team's quarterback during an age of social media, it wasn't as, you know, as formative as it is, you know, from 2016 to this point, I mean, Dak has dealt with an enormous amount of grief. Um, and to Brabble's point, he has seen other quarterbacks, his contemporaries, his peers be put in positions to succeed. And that has likely been a point of frustration, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I could see him being like, I'm Andy Dufresne. I crawled through all of this. Like I earned my paradise in Mexico or whatever the case may be. Like I'm absolutely going to get out of structure and take what's mine because I have put up with everything to this point. And that, that liberation is a really powerful thing. I think like for humanity, but certainly if you're playing quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I, I, and I love the fact that he seems to be playing free and, and just shaking it all off and, you know, he's clapping back sometimes. And I love mm -hmm. to see that because there is just throughout this team, this attitude that I think you have to have to, to go all the way in the NFL. You, you have to have that kind of edge, a little bit of killer instinct and this, you know, yeah, I'll get right back in your face. And I love to see that from him. I think it's part of his whole, whole maturation process. And he is reaching kind of, you know, when a lot of quarterbacks have their, their golden era uh, at his age mm -hmm. and his experience, he's seen a, a whole bunch of NFL games. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can throw at him that is going to be even momentarily surprising. Uh, and that's just, I think he's, you know, he, he also, he infuses his spirit and leadership into this whole team. And I think that's all, all to the good. Uh, the term you're looking for is petty, Tom. I didn't mean that because your name is Tom, but uh, that was uh, the word. That's what Dak is playing like. He's playing petty, and that's good. Uh, by the way, um, Danny, I'm excited for your answer, but I do think it is um, it is theatrical that the like next step of Dak is against Sean McDermott specifically, uh, who, as a defensive coordinator, terrorized Dak Prescott's predecessor in Tony Romo. Obviously, Sean McDermott, born of the Jim Johnson tree in Philadelphia. Um, Tony Romo's last career start came against the Sean McDermott-led uh, Carolina Panthers defense in 2015 on Thanksgiving Day. So, I mean, again, it, it would just be this incredibly cathartic experience for Dak to you know, just reach this supernova and go take down Sean McDermott of all people. Uh, Danny Phantom, something you trust the most or least or uh, whatever. The vibes are good. And Danny, actually, there was a comment a little while ago. Um, I was awarded 20 points to hand out um, at my discretion. Now, this is a purely democratic process, so this is a really rare thing for me to be able to hand out points. These are the standings. Rabble's got 70. Tom's got 63. You're riding caboose at 48. If your prompt is good, if what you trust or do not trust is good, Danny, I will give you all 20 points for setting up a good conversation topic. Oh, well, you're not going to like this, RJ, but uh, it is good. Um, you know, so I'll t so you talk about the 2014 season with Romo and stuff, and, you know, I do think that, like, Dak is just, you know, he's playing smart, he's playing, he's, he's playing well. But I one thing that I think that Tony Romo was missing – and this is the guy that I trust the most. And it's Dan Quinn. And I trust this Cowboys defense. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. And I know that there's some things that you can point in 
that it hasn't gone well, but I'll tell you why that I trust him. And the reason, so if you look at crunch time last year, you know, the beatdown they gave to Tom Brady in the playoffs, and even the Niners game, you know, they only allowed them to score one one touchdown. I mean, the defense did their job. That was a winnable game that could have went to Cowboys' favor, you know, if they would have just been able to play a little better offensively. Uh, they didn't, but the defense did their job, you know, when it mattered. Um, it's not always perfect, but I feel like they just find a way. And um, you look at the Chargers game um, when the offense wasn't playing very well. I mean, they, they clamped down on the final drive. You know, they came away big in the fourth quarter, you know, against the first Philly game. I mean, Philly shut them down. And even against Seattle, when they just had one of their worst games, look what they did in the fourth quarter. I mean, Seattle had three drives and they all in the fourth quarter and they all ended up in a turnover on downs. So, I mean, I think this team is playing fast. I think they're hitting hard. I think they're just a headache for opposing offenses. So to me, it just gives me this sense, you know, that the defense is going to be there. They're going to be able to to do their part and get it done. Uh, so to me, I, I feel like that's the most constant that we've seen throughout. I know there's been a little hiccups here, here and there, but uh, I do think that Quinn, I mean, I think he, I, 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 Quinn's the guy I trust the most. So that that is my answer. Rabble, uh, Danny joked that I wouldn't like that because I've been a little bit hard on Dan Quinn and my, my purpose is really just to keep balance in the force uh, mm -hmm. because I feel like people are hard on Mike McCarthy for, you know, like wearing the wrong shirt or something like that. Uh, to Danny's point, um, or I guess using Danny's uh, petition as a point, we're referring to allowing 100% red zone conversion in Philadelphia as a hiccup. We're referring to not forcing the Seahawks to punt once as a hiccup. Uh, it's okay. So Dan Quinn was bad at some times, and Dan Quinn could have lost that game. But Danny, that was a great point. I gave you all 20 points. But, Ravel, to Danny's point, again, once again, um, Dak has that safety net. That was something that Tony Romo never really had. Mm -hmm. Dak can be aggressive because he knows he has Dan Quinn on the other side, who for the most part will come through. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that to say that Tony Roman never had that is a little bit, we're forgetting our history a little bit. That that Cowboys defense was really good from about Generally 2007 speaking. to 2009, right? And so, so Tony Romo did have a, a, a really strong uh, defense on the other side. At the same time, his offensive line was starting to get old and fall apart. I, I think one of the things about this next stretch, though, I think that I'm not going to disagree and say I don't trust Dan Quinn. I totally trust Dan Quinn. I have for, you know, for the last couple three years. I think though that we should be prepared for his defense to look a little bit more in these next few weeks like it did against Seattle because as we all know, as anybody who follows analytics knows, um, defensive performance is directly you know directly correlative to the quality of the uh, of the opposing offense, the opposing offense's passing game and the quality of the quarterback and they're going up against some good offensive uh, you know offensive teams and some good quarterbacks some some really really good passing games so i wouldn't be surprised if they if we see a couple of you know uh defensive performances where they give up 20 30 points um they can still win because the offense is i think going to continue to roll but uh we, we might see some shootouts we're probably not going to see any 20 point victories for the next couple of weeks when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom, uh, David said in the chat, moving Stefan Gilmore to the wide receiver one was a great move by Dan Quinn. Obviously an adjustment that ca- the Cowboys made uh, at halftime of the Seattle game, uh, put Stefan on DK Metcalf. He locked him down. And then for the most part, not necessarily from a yardage standpoint, took care of AJ Brown, had the big strip uh, fumble, obviously had the fourth down stop on Devontae Smith. And that's the adaptation. That's the willingness to change, obviously, from Dan Quinn that you hailed and Mike McCarthy for. But you hate Dan Quinn as well, Tom. Yeah, no, I I don't hate Dan Quinn. I I I don't have as much faith in him getting it done every week, uh, especially when he's got you know players like Josh Allen and Tua coming up. Uh, you know those guys can do some things, and uh, that's going. You know, I I don't want to see it get into a shootout. Uh, I. I I mean, the great thing about the Eagles game was that almost from the, the the opening play, you just had the feeling that the Cowboys had that game in control and the Eagles just were not going to be able to overcome them. Um, and I think it's, you know, let's just face it, you know, the Cowboys are now facing some good quarterbacks. I'm not so sure they did on Sunday night. I'm, I, I will say that they <laughs> certainly did not. <laughs> and, you know, so that to me is – Always kind of the test of the defense in the NFL is when you come up against one of the top level elite quarterbacks, you know, like like Dak and, and Allen and Tua and, and Patrick McCombs. Mm-hmm. Can you shut those guys down? Can you keep them from keeping their team in the in the game or even getting on top of you? Uh, but Dan Quinn has also done the best job with the defense by far that we've seen for a long time. Uh, you know, he, he is, you know, I kind of hope that he has found his happy place uh, and that the talk about him be, being hired away is just going to go away because sometimes people realize they've got it better than they would if they went and took on another franchise because you're always going to be going to a franchise that needs help. And right now he has to love what he's got to work with. Danny, did you raise your hand? I did. I just had one. I know I had one quick thing to say about Quinn too. Um, I wanted to say too, that I don't think the Cowboys back seven is that great. Um, I think they're good. I don't think they're great. I don't, I don't like, I don't think Donovan Wilson is as good as Joey Ikes thinks he is. I don't think that, Deron Bland is good as no C. Walker. He's an Aggie. That's worth mentioning. So, yeah. yeah, I just think that – I honestly <laughs> think that they have some – I think what Quinn is doing with those guys is makes me very happy. And I, I don't think this is like a shutdown defense by any means. I don't think the talent's quite there. You know, they obviously miss a player like Trayvon Diggs. But I do think that if you look at the players they have and the way that they're playing, they're going to be good enough. And that's the part that gives me confidence. It isn't like they're going to shut down. Rabs is right. Josh Allen and, and, and the Dolphins off and, my, and McDaniels is going to, they're going to eat, but I still think that they can give up 20, some 24 points and, and, and do a fantastic job. And yeah, that, that's yeah. what inspires confidence right, to me. Right. So I just want to make that point to where it's like, 
you know, they're not like the doomsday or the 90s Cowboys defense where they're really going to lay the hurt on it. But I do think they're going to finally give them a, a reliable unit to where you get a good offense and then you're going to go places. Um, I agree with everything said for the most part. I do think something that works in Dan Quinn's favor um, through like for Dallas Cowboys fans is how bad the defense was for a lot of the Romo era. Like Dan Quinn is the best Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator since Brian Stewart. Wait, right? like I, Wait Phillips. I guess, yeah, I mean, if you want to like qualify him yeah. as that, but like, I know like people fell in love with non-coordinators like Chris Richard or Matt Eberflus, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. the bar was so low. And again, I, I don't mean to minimize the impact that Dan Quinn has had, but because of how vastly he has over-delivered, he walks on water. Um, and I think that that there's an inverse effect there for Mike McCarthy because, you know, the offenses have sung, you know, so loudly at times in the past that like, oh man, you're the number one offense in the NFL pish posh. Like we've done that a billion times over, like welcome to the standard around here. So, um, good point, Danny. If I had to grade, um, everybody's answers, I'd give rabble first place, Tom second and Danny third. That's just kind of the way things broke out, but the score, um, doesn't reflect that. Oh, Tom, Tom. one point shy of a C note at the moment. 99 points, Rabble with 92. Danny, despite the 20-point bump, you're only at 88. So, like, really got to pick it up here um, as, as we kind of move a little bit further. You're starting to get skunked just a little bit. Uh, Tom, you raised your finger very politely. I just wanted to, first off, find out if you're going to mention uh, something you're most confident in. And if not, there is something we do need to bring up. Um. I don't know if what you're saying we do need to bring up is Brandon Aubrey because the chat is very, very passionate about that. Uh, is that your thing, Tom? Yes, we have to mention him because the, he, this this guy is a phenomenon. Uh, I know, mean, uh, I don't want to lose sight of how awesome he is. I just want to be clear. Brett Maher was, and I'm not saying he was better, but Brett Maher was awesome in the regular season last year. He had a horrible playoff run that, mm-hmm. you know, got him kicked out of town. And obviously we can all understand that, but like, I, I think, I mean, like, if we're talking trust, I give John Fossil a, a whole hell of a lot of credit. And I was really down on John Fossil after that first season in 2020. He had that horrible fake punt on Thanksgiving Day that felt so desperate. He had that horrible fake punt against the Chargers early in his tenure here. I mean, like, but he is really stabilized. And he, I mean, he is the magic hand. Like, he he plucked Brett Maher out of nowhere. He plucked Brett, you know, Brandon Aubrey out of nowhere. His worst mistake was, was going with his buddies, with Greg Zerline, obviously, who, by the way, is having a fantastic season for the Jets. I mean, so, yeah, like, I will, and it's not just Brandon Aubrey. That's a great point, Tom. But, like, Jalen Tolbert has been such a, a great gunner. I know he wasn't prepared for the fake punt or whatever. Kevontae Turpin has been such an amazing returner. Like, every part of the special teams aspect, Sam Williams, you know, blocked a punt because John also wanted to get him involved there. The, the fake hey, field goal. Hey, he's a gunner. They, yeah. Like, Don't forget I Wayne mean, Anger. That, no, exactly. He, still, like, he, I mean, he doesn't punt much, I, but I, he's like still has one of the top averages. And he th- I think he's thrown a touchdown pass, hasn't he? So, I mean, three, yeah, be, it was a two-point conversion that he threw. Oh, um, okay. Because it was, it was an extra point um, to Chauncey Golston. I mean, like to Chauncey Golston. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's going on here? And it's not the first time. They had all the blocks last year as well. Um, mm-hmm. so I do not want to take anything at all away from Brandon Aubrey. You're right, Tom, in the chat. You're all right for everybody, obviously, singing his praises. But Rabble, I mean, like, it's impossible to not just highlight. It. It's impossible what he's done. He's made 30 field goals to start his career. The record was 19. Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, it's been, it's been a great it's been a great debut. I think it's always a fool's errand to have faith in a kicker. Kickers are kickers. Kickers are good until they're not. And every kicker 
it's always been good until they're not or not. He's still good are. though. He's still, He's still good. good. Sure. Sure. But he, but he might not be tomorrow. I mean, like, so you, you know, you, you, I think um, where, where having a good kicker actually becomes a problem is when it starts to lead to coaching decisions where you start to trust the kicker. We saw that too, happening too often with Jason Garrett and Dan Bailey, where well instead of, instead of being aggressive, like once you cross the 50, you're like, you know what, if we get to the 34, this guy can, this guy's going to nail a 51 yarder without, without any, instead of really going for it and trying to get seven every time and really getting deep into the red zone. And um, if, if I think that, there were a couple times against Philadelphia. Now I don't fault him for this because I think that he understood the game was well in hand, but there were a couple of times against Philadelphia where I would have liked to see them been a little more aggressive. Uh, and I think that they played a little passive and called from the passive side of the play sheet because they knew that that dude could hit from 60. And so, um, He's going to continue to hit from 60 until he doesn't. And then when he doesn't, you give the op- opposition a short field. And as he's, as these games go into December, into January, it's foolhardy for us to assume he's just going to be perfect all year. So eventually uh, he's not going to be. And then, then where are we going to be? So but, uh, I will I think say a this- kicker is a kicker is a kicker. I don't, you keep, I think, you know, having faith in a kicker is not something that's repeatable. It's, it's, it's a temporary situation always. I mean, going 30 for 30. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel when he lines up, but I like, I, I feel confident. Like I, I didn't feel confident about the sixty yarder, and I was mad at McCarthy. Like, why did you just give him some more yards? But didn't need it. But I mean, I think that's a great answer, Tom. And whoever's brought it up, as far as trust, it's hard not to trust anyone more than Brandon Aubrey right now. Because I tell you what, is- it's hard to to trust any kicker more than Brandon Brandon Aubrey. But it's also foolish to trust a kicker in general. I think the point is fair. Like, if if there is a kicker who you're willing to lay your life, you know, down at the foot of, it's, it's Brandon Aubrey, right? Um, but like, he, I get Rabel's yeah. concern about leaning into that disposition too much. In fact, um, we've brought up 2014 many, many, many times. That season obviously ended at the hands of the Descotta game. While everybody loves to point out that that game was kind of lost on the Demarco Murray fumble, that game was also partly lost at the end of the first half when the aforementioned Dan Bailey had a field goal blocked by Dayton Jones, who would later join the Cowboys, and Mason Crosby was able to get a six-point swing in Green Bay's direction. So, like, the moment you trust a kicker too much, obviously it can still work out for you, but, like, you cannot become dependent on it, which, again, Mike McCarthy's predecessor did do. Um, I'm not worried about that personally. We all spoke about how we trust Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. So um, that was that was the first, like, divisive subject we had, which was kind of fun. Um, so good to <laughs> the know that... Kicker like, gives you a sense of where this team is. Yeah, good to know it's not just, like, Yuletide greetings around here. Um, I guess if we want to be negative, Tom, you're up first, but you can certainly be positive if you like uh, something else you trust the most or the least about the Cowboys. Mm. Uh, I... I I think it's pretty clear that right now the thing that I trust the least is the running game. It's just inconsistent. Uh, Sometimes it shows up, but there's other times it's just not getting success. You know, they're, they're, they're getting, they're not getting a a decent run, Uh, which is kind of, it's kind of hard to figure out sometimes because it looks like the offensive line is frequently doing just a really good job blocking. And sometimes it, you know, they, they pop off 10, 12 yards with no problem. But there are other games that just kind of fades away and it's not there. And it becomes one of those, you know, cart and horse situations. Is this about the fact that they're doing so well throwing the ball with that Prescott that they don't need to run? Uh, are they 
you know, do they not just getting into situations where they can just rely on the run to run the clock out and things like that? Uh, which basically seems to be that McCarthy says, well, I'm going to go down and score another touchdown. I got time. Uh, so I just don't have confidence that if they need a strong running game, yeah. that it's going to show up the way they yeah. need it to. Danny Phantom, uh, the great Bob Sturm wrote in his morning after column this week in a sub stack, everybody should go subscribe, uh, about how this was a game that Mike McCarthy kind of knew because of you know his experience in the NFL, that it was going to have to be physical, that they were going to have to punch Philly in the mouth. By the way, Watsamata, I see you at the end, and we'll give everybody a chance to dunk on Philly, I promise. Uh, but that being said, it wasn't sexy. It wasn't like a huge box score, but there were really tough yards that Tony Parr and Rico Dowdle really kind of grinded it out for. And so while... I kind of agree with Tom. I don't feel confident. I do at least believe that Mike McCarthy understands that element has to be there. And maybe that's something we see them obviously work on. Michael Gelkin wrote about this in the Dallas Morning News. Obviously, a mm -hmm. different weather game on Sunday for the Cowboys. Like, they, they can throw the ball. We know that. But they're going to have to be able to move the ball in a slow, methodical fashion at certain points, especially in the playoffs. And Sunday was an example that they can do that in certain moments. Yeah, it was. And honestly, I mean, if you look at the, the, the Eagles defensive front too, I mean, I was I was impressed with what I saw. When every time the Cowboys can block enough to just give those guys a little bit of a running start, I think you're gonna they're gonna get holes. Those arm tackles aren't working on Tony Pollard or they're not working on Rico. And I really think that you're seeing some some good plays from the running game. It's it's not that that dominating, you know, clock chewing type of running game that we used to see from a Cowboys team. Um, it's different. But it's works. I mean, look at that, look at that fourth down call. I think. I mean, who would have thought that they was going to run a draw there? I mean, look at the confidence they have, and they know that Pollard's going to look, you know, the, the zone block. He's going to see where the where the hole is, and he's going to go. They believed in it, and it worked. And I mean, great play call, great great play by by the running back. So I I feel like while it's not flashy and it's you know they're not lighting up the the stats by any means, I still think that they're effective, and um, I'm I'm sort of pleased. You know, I'm sort of pleased with what they're doing. And I feel like I, I don't want them to ever be just a, a, a run-heavy team. I, I want them to to work the pass, to set up the run, you know, work in that manner. I think this is what their strength is. So I, I like what they're doing. So I, I don't really have any issues with it. I, and I also like that they're preserving health. I like the balance. I want to see more Rico. I want to see it close. Pre preserve the health of both those guys, uh, to be quite honest. So, uh, yeah, I just feel like the running game is is effective. Rabble, uh, Danny mentioned the balance, and he was given points by David for different but works. We're adjusting to how it looks. For what it's worth, the run game isn't just different in, in a general sense, but Kevontae Turpin gets a reverse. Mm -hmm. CeeDee Lamb gets the cute little pitch. Like, the Cowboys are finding creative ways to establish the run, no pun intended there. Um, and they're not just, you know, a simplified halfback dive up the gut. We trust our five offensive linemen are better than your defensive linemen. They're going to continue to scheme their guys open and take advantage of every opportunity and also use the element of surprise like they did on that fourth down. Absolutely. I think I think uh, one of the things we have to point out is that um, they don't have a third running back because Deuce Vaughn's been a healthy scratch for over a month now. I think they've just decided that he doesn't have what it takes this year and then he needs to get his body right uh, if he's going to compete in this league. And so effectively, C.D. Lamb is, is RB3 right now. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Danny and I have talked a little bit about this in the Star Seminar. Everybody should give it a listen. Um, we've talked a little bit on the Star Seminar about the fact that um, McCarthy, even when he's in Green Bay, he passed to set up the run. 
And he definitely, I mean, he was he's clearly like his philosophy is to pass this up the run. It's a very West Coast philosophy. You pass first, you run late. Um, and if you remember like the Sam Lacey Packers, they they had three really, really good receivers and always had a great quarterback. And, you know, Sam Lacey would, you know, would get get his share because um, the back seven was playing back because the threat of the pass. The other thing, and I, I, so I think that's where the Cowboys are going to get yardage in the running game. Um, I don't think, I don't, as you said, as, as both Tom and uh, RJ said, they're not the kind of team that has the offensive line that can just line up like the 2014, 2016 Cowboys against a seven man box and just blow them out anyway and, and still get, you know, five, six yards of carry. They're not that team now. They, they can't be that team, which is, I think, one of the reasons why they have so much trouble in the red zone. Once, they, and once things get a little bit more compressed, if you want to try to run down there, every once in a while they're going to pop one. But the reality is when things are, when things are congested, they don't have the horses to blow to blow the opposition out so a couple things they're doing they're you know running draws they're they're running in you know um favorable situations in terms of boxes they're also throwing to the backs a lot more on early downs which are effective running plays they're basically west coast runs right Right. or tech those are text coast runs all right and so um I think that's something that we need to think about when we think about the running game is the fact that uh, those little dump offs to Pollard where he, you know, he gets the ball right at the line of scrimmage or went maybe, you know, even a yard behind and still gets five or six. That's a run. That's a, that's a six yard running game. And so I think that that's, um, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's going to be ways in which they find moments for the running game to be effective, even if they don't have the capacity to just line up and, and, um, and, you know, push teams around. Now I want to say one other thing, and this is, I'm going to start the Philadelphia bashing here. (laughs) Mike McCarthy, as Danny just mentioned, Mike McCarthy did try to run the ball up the gut against the Eagles. What kind of team do you decide you're going to try to work on your running game against? You try to work on your running game against the team that's inferior. He went into the game knowing that his team was inferior, that his opposition was inferior. And this was a great opportunity to tune up the, the sort of, you know, between the tackles running game against a lesser opponent. And that's what he did. Man, King Rabble shows up and does not miss, except for the disrespect of the 2015 Cowboys. They got Darren McFadden a thousand yards, Rabble, and you're over here just glossing over them. Uh, you know, geez, wow. That no, no, really, you're absolutely uh, right. You're absolutely. It was 2014, <laughs> 216. That's what I should have said. You're 100 right. Yeah, I've, that that was that was actually probably probably the the best offensive line you know performance in the last you know 20 years of Cowboys football. Um, Tom, you raised your hand, although it's really hard to overcome what Ravel just said, but go ahead and try. No, I, mine is strictly an addition. <laughs> One thing I, I, I love is that they seem to have changed the philosophy because for so long, the Cowboys had the feature back and the change of pace guy. Now, it looks like Pollard and Dowdle are fairly interchangeable, and they're using them that way. And I love that aspect because it's been a long time since the Cowboys have had two pretty level good running backs. And uh, there may not be great running backs, but they're both good running backs, which is what, what you need in this kind of an offense. And I just wanted to point that out. It's I don't know if that's just this is how it evolved or if it was a change in philosophy, but I'm enjoying seeing that. Um, Rabble, I think, first of all, you have the lead. You're at 132, so a little bit of game what? left. Uh, <laughs> you know, Tom, Danny, got to pick it up. But you had the best comment of the night so far uh, about the screen passes. I mean, if you can get Tony Pollard isolated on a linebacker, who cares how that happens, right? Like, if you're handing him the ball in his gut or you're Go dumping in. it off on a screen pass, right. you're right. Like, there's a reason he's getting eight targets a game. Like, And so 
that's an advantage. That's a mismatch you want to exploit. Um, good for you. Uh, Danny, do you want to go with something you trust the most or the least? Um, it has kind of set up to be a least round, but it's up to you. Yeah, I want to do the least. And um, I mean, technically, my answer is the same as my podcast partner's answer. Oh, um, no. But since I've had to, li- hey. I've had to listen listen to him whine about it for like 13 weeks. He's had to learn from me for 13 I, I, weeks. I'm going to let him, I'm going to leave that for him because, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just uh, stick to my favorite thing to do. And uh, my, my least, the thing that I trust the least, and I want to point out that there's not a lot of things that I don't trust. So the, the pickings are slim in my opinion. Um, and since I'm choosing my second choice, uh, the, that to me is going to be Mike McCarthy. And I know that he was on the list of, uh, yeah, I know this doesn't, I hope you're not the guy giving points, RJ. Uh, yeah, I the know crowd this will speak work. for itself, Danny. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been impressed with. The, uh, he, he's clearly the, accepted he's coming in last. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that before when we started. So, you know, so, so this is my time. Uh, so I have the pen, you know, I have the paper. So, uh, so I mean I've, I've been impressed with the the way he's coached since the bye. No question about that. I think the play calling has been sharp. His decision making has been sharp. He's been aggressive, and I absolutely love that. Props to him for that. Um, that said, uh, he still does some in game stuff that just gives me anxiety. You know, I I know we will find ourselves in a close game come the playoff time, and I you know, I want to know will McCarthy manage the clock correctly? Uh, will he decline some penalty that he should have should have accepted? I mean. Will his guys commit some bonehead penalty that will be costly? I mean, I would be lying, RJ, if I told if I said that these things did not worry me. So, of all the things out there that I could see could just end up messing things up for the Cowboys, I feel like it's still going to be a McCarthy mistake, and uh, and I'm I hope I'm wrong. I, I'm hoping that he's just a better coach than I've been giving him credit for. But I don't I don't I'm not worried about Prescott. I'm not worried about this defense. I feel confident about these other things. Uh, so McCarthy and his in-game decisions are probably what worry me the most. Uh, How'd I do? Well, Rabble, Ed has noted in the chat that McCarthy got surgery this past week, beat the Eagles by 20, and is still <laughs> catching strays on clock management. By the way, hypothetical clock management, like not even actual clock management. Uh, I'll answer uh, your question a little bit, Skylar. Um, this is to me, Rabble and Danny, I'm not putting you in this box, I promise, but this is the like, oh, same old Cowboys, like they're going to find a way to blow it. Like, I mean, like what more does this dude have to do to earn the benefit of the doubt for moments like that? And that's not to say he hasn't had flaws. I hated the way he handled the end of the first half against the Chargers, uh, when he didn't go for it. Obviously people had an issue with the lack of, or the over-aggression at the end of the game against Seattle. You mentioned yourself, Rabble, how you you know, you would have liked to have seen a little bit more offensive aggression at the end of the game against Philly. But I mean, how how can you feel like like I mean, I don't know. Floor is yours, Rabble, for your partner. Um. So no, I I think I think that you're you're right. Like we can com- we can complain about these things, but I think that one of the things that as fans that we have the privilege, uh, you know, to do is to um, complain using hindsight, right? So like a lot of times something happens, you know, oh he, he doesn't accept the penalty and they, they and they're out of field goal range or they have to kick a longer field goal or you know and then you know they miss the field goal or they kick the field goal or some weird thing happens, you know. There's so many inputs during a game. Um, and you know, if we were able to freeze the game and say, what would you do here? What's the right, or the right call here? We'd be wrong all the time too. It, it's, it's one of those things where, um, it's chaos theory in action. Uh, there's nobody who can be right 
all, all the time. The only way to be right all the time is to do it the way he's doing, which is to have your team leading by 20 so that none of your decisions mm. can impact the game, right? Because every coach makes decisions that negatively impact a close game. Right. This is this is the whole point. Good teams avoid close games because when you're in a close games, when you're in a close game, rather bounces of the ball, uh, clock management, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're you know, weird uh, officials calls. All those kind of things are magnified. So uh, I think one of the things that he also understands is get a big lead and don't surrender that lead because then you take lady luck out of the building and 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 the better team can can win. And that's that's actually um, a really important and good coaching strategy. Mm, Tom, to Rabble's point, the Kansas City Chiefs threw a big old fit over uh, objectively correct penalty. Uh, but had the Chiefs taken care of business earlier in the game, it doesn't come down to that, you know, tiny little diluted, you know, magnitude of a moment. Um, so mm -hmm. that being said, I agree with Rabble. But Tom, you, of course, have the ultimate authority. Uh, ultimate what? <laughs> the, uh, you know. I hate that penalties have even come up because I probably should have thrown that out uh, as the thing I have the least trust in. And that isn't the, the referees. The well, no, when the Cowboys not to get out there and draw a flag at the most inopportune moment, uh, uh, they actually had a game against the Eagles where the Eagles outdid them in that aspect. Uh, you know, they had like 12 penalties and the rare double penalties accepted on one player on one uh play where he didn't even stop the pass from being completed uh, <laughs> i mean that is that is probably reaches a pit of ineptitude you know you face get a face mask on the guy committing pass interference and he still catches the ball for eight yards of what would have been a first down if the penalty hadn't given him two more yards hey you know i think matt i think matt castle actually threw a pick while getting an intentional grounding penalty, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, to, um, to just corroborate that, uh, we have an interview that I did with Ryan Fitzpatrick a few months ago here on the Blog on the Boys Network, and he was the quarterback for the Jets in that game. And I asked him, um, I was like, have you ever seen that before? And he said, no. He said, well, I guess I have. He was like, because I was there. Um, so that mm -hmm. was a really funny moment. Uh, but that did happen, to your point, Danny. Tom, go ahead. No, I was. that was just it. I just uh, I hate, hate penalties, uh, you know. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that McCarthy is going to be an issue. I just don't think he's going to be a problem. Uh, I think the, you know, I just hope this team can keep going in and, and taking charge of games at least until they get deep into January. Uh, one, I don't want to have to see another close game for a while. Can um, I, can I actually add one thing about penalties? Of course. Um, I think one. I think there's a couple categories of penalties, and Danny and I talked about this in our podcast. There's a couple categories of penalties that sort of come with the meal, right? So the, there's been a lot of like lining up offsides or, or jumping offsides on uh, from the defensive line. If they're going to generate the kind of pressure and kind of consistent pass rush they do, and that's going to be part of that, I'm okay with that, right? I'll, I'll give me a couple of those. Sure. If you're going to be if you're if the opposing quarterback's going to be under duress the majority of the night. Yeah, Similarly, that's the price to pay. 
Yeah, absolutely. If that, if that, if that comes with a meal, it's a delicious meal and I'm going to eat the whole thing up. Yum, yum, yum. Right. Uh, on the other side of the ball, one of the things we've noticed, we've noted that has changed over the course of the season is they're significantly uh, using significantly more motion. So again, if there's like motion penalties or like weird little pre-snap penalties where not everybody's set that are sort of byproduct of that, but yet the, ultimately what that means is they're generating a lot more explosives. Again, if that comes with a meal, Give me a big spoon. I'm eating that whole meal. And so I think that there are certain categories of penalties we'd, we'd like for them to, to, to curtail. But I think that some of the aggressiveness penalties and some of the other kinds of penalties are, are things that I'm willing to trade because of what comes with them is so correlative to winning football. I, w- I agree with everything Rab says, but I mean, I don't think there's any excuse for you to actually line up offsides. I think you no, need well, to know... Where you're supposed he to said be. There's different categories. That's right. Yes. That's fair. And, and 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 that's happening too much. And I do think that there are some things that I'll, I'll live with it too. I already told Rabs this too. I'll I'll eat the meal also. But I do think that there's some things that are really inexcusable. They got to clean up. I don't want to see McCarthy calling a timeout to because the clock's running out and they're not set and it's going to cost us in the second half of a playoff game. I don't want to see that happening. So I do think that there's just, they just got to be a little better here. This is not indicative of a win, a successful team. The Cowboys are, they're up there in penalties with all the bad teams. That's not going to, that's got to stop. So that part bothers me. Well, the totality of them are partly inflated by the penalties that Rabble mentioned. Again, I think um, to maybe give you an analogy, Rabble, they're the peas in the chicken pot pie, right? Like, you know, nobody really likes them. They're supposedly good for you. We don't really care for them, but they're part of the overall chicken pot pie. Um, so you just shut up and eat them. So um, that okay. gravy is delicious, man. Exactly. Um, okay, Ravel. Speaking of, you are up um, next slash last. Uh, do you want to do something you trust the least to kind of round us out? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this just to because uh, it's not it's not what uh, Danny predicted. So just to show him yes. that he that he, that I'm actually an unpredictable creature. I'm gonna say I don't trust the Cowboys to win the NFC East. I don't think that's really that bold. No, no, I don't. actually don't. No, I don't think it's that bold. I think if you look at it, I, 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 I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tall order for them to win out. I, I think actually the, it's, there's a good chance that the Eagles lose another game and they, and they very well could lose to Seattle next week. It's, it's possible that the Eagles will implode and that they may lose two or three more games. I, I could also see that happening. But I think that the, the strength of, of the, the opposition is so weak for them that they're going to probably, even if they're three and one, it's a tall order for the Cowboys to, to go four and oh with three of those games on the road, two of them against uh, actually three of them, frankly, against teams that are going to be, you know, fighting hard for playoff spots for division crowns, et cetera, against, as we've noted before, three really good offenses that are going to make Dan Quinn look a little bit more human than he has all year. So, um, you know, I think, I think the Cowboys are the second best team in the NFL. And I think there's a, there's a really strong chance that due to some weird scheduling vagaries, they're going to end up as a wild card. Um, You could certainly argue that that, is maybe the better path forward. I know we've talked about that. Obviously, you end up with a wild card game on the road, uh, but against a crummy NFC South winner, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, like, I don't know that I would want to see the Cowboys be the two seed and host the Rams right now. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit weary of the Rams just in that respect. Maybe I'm, I'm being an optimist in that sense. Um, Tom, do you agree? Again, the Cowboys are literally favored to not win the NFC. So Rabble's not really walking the plank here. I mean, Rabble's safe inside the harbor, like not even on the boat. Yeah, I think it's going to come down whether they can win the NFC East or whether we were actually right 
all season long about the Eagles being kind of a a, a paper tiger. Do your trash talk now, Tom. Get it out. Yeah, I, I definitely am. Bring it, baby. Bring it. Double, pur- <laughs> uh, double purpose here. Uh, they were, the, you know, they've been the luck, one of the luckiest teams in football for a long time. Uh, you know, the tush push, I'm just sick of that whole thing. And I was so thrilled when the referees called and offsides on them because I think they do that on about half of those because they're just in there, you know, inching up so tight. Uh, and it is possible, I think, and I'm not just looking at at what the what Geno Smith might do to him. Uh, Tommy DeVito might just rear up and smack them in the mouth. I it's mean, possible. Yeah, yeah, it's because especially or, or because the Kyler Murray Cardinals, very different Cardinals team. Even though I mean, I know yeah, the Cowboys it's lost, possible, but, right? It's yeah, possible. but you know, and and you know, the thing is that with with DeVito, they don't know as much about him. You know, and, and that can be a dangerous situation, especially when your team's reeling a little bit. And, you know, they've the Eagles have gotten beaten down two weeks in a row. And that to me is it would be the path for the Cowboys to go forward. I don't know if it's going to happen. I would love to see it just so we can get more pictures of Nick Sirianni crying. Oh, uh, and so But that that would, you know, I just. I just am, am going to be interesting. You know, there will be some scoreboard watching <laughs> throughout the rest of the season. Um, Danny, it's interesting. And some of this is just the nature of being a fan and kind of being drunk on the moment. Um, we look at the next four games for the Cowboys. It's like, well, the Bills are really beatable. And the Dolphins, they lost to the Titans. And, you know, the Lions, they keep, you know, playing close games. And they just lost to the Bears. <laughs> and then we're, like, convincing ourselves to Tom's point. I don't know. The Seahawks could beat the Eagles. And the Giants could beat the Eagles. And the Car- You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of the, the way things tend to go. Uh, but do you agree that Dallas is unlikely to win the NFC East? Yeah, and I've come to terms with this for a while now. Uh, this is where I'm at. But I will say this. I do think the Eagles are going to lose four games. I mean, I, I don't see them winning out. I do think, I mean. Four games total because they're sitting on three. Yeah, yeah four games. Right. So they'll, they'll lose they'll at lose least again. another game. I, I do expect them. It may be Seattle. It may be the Giants or, or like you said, Kyler Murray Cardinals. I, I just feel like that part's believable to me. I think it's going to be tough for the Cowboys to run the run through the gauntlet here, and just I worry about the AFC teams. I, I do think they're good teams, and the, the way they match up too. Just I mean, Josh Allen just getting loose a little bit in the pocket, giving him a little time to, to to launch it. That concerns me, and of course the the Dolphins receivers. I mean, those are just matchup problems. So I'm more worried about the Cowboys um, not being able to win out, and of course the you know the tiebreaker situation is really murky there. So for them to, I feel like it's going to take a Giants upset for that to happen. So um, that's how I feel about it. So I'm already come to terms with that. But I did want to ask, I want to ask you a question, RJ, and like we can actually just run through the through the other guy. I want to know, like, if the Cowboys do not, let's say they don't make it through the past the divisional round again, uh, who cares if we beat the NFC South in the wild card? Uh, if they don't get past the the divisional round again, what do you think the reason's going to be? What do you think causes this? I, you know, I I told you what I thought, and I think it'd probably be something McCarthy does that's, that doesn't sit right. And we'll all be back here again talking about McCar- McCarthy, how he did this wrong. You, know, I've I've heard that song before, but I'll ask you, starting with RJ, like, why are the Cowboys not going to get to the NFC Championship this year? I mean, if you mention it's the divisional round, I think it's because the San Francisco 49ers are a machine. And I mean, the way it plays out now, I mean, if everything were to go chalk, uh, again, assuming Dallas is not 
the two seed, right? Because we all believe them to be the five seed as, as the non-NFC East winners. I mean, again, we believe Philly and Detroit would win their wild card matchups as well. That would send Dallas to Frisco in the division round. I, 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 all of my heart would want to pick Dallas, but like objectively, I couldn't be able to. If you guys said you got to put your mortgage on this, like I couldn't. I no matter what I, I, I yearned for in my heart, I just can't. I mean, nobody can. We can't. We can't sit here and factually believe that in any way, shape, or form. We could talk ourselves into the romance of it all and say third time's the charm and blah, 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 and how it would be a cool rite of passage for them to have to go through San Francisco like the 90s dynasty. But you cannot believe that that would happen. And I don't think there's shame in losing to the Niners, which is what we're learning kind of on a weekly basis throughout this NFL season. So that would be my answer. That's the most likely thing is that San Francisco is just too good. Yeah. And frankly, that's the only team that I wouldn't have confidence with, uh, about the Cowboys going in and beating right. them. So, th so that's actually th what's heartbreaking about this is the way it, the way it looks like it's going to break is that they're going to have an easy game, right? Which that it should be very, very winnable, and then they'll they'll play prohibitively the best team in the league on their home turf after a week's rest. And it's just, it's just, a, it's a, it's rough because frankly, the league deserves those two teams to head, to go head to head in the NFC championship. Because I think just like in the nineties, that's the Super Bowl. Whoever wins that game is going to go, is going to win the whole shooting match. Cause they're the two best teams in the league. Yeah. To me, that would always, I think it oftentimes just comes down to somebody <laughs> doesn't have a good day on the field. And that's, that's one thing that we just, take for granted is that these players are going to always be consistent the really good ones everybody can have a, a an off day at the office and that includes on the sidelines too uh you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. quinn or mccarthy could have a, a, a bad day and just you know not have the right answers for what they're facing uh that to me would be it and i will say that i don't think that people should start screaming to fire anybody if it happens. Uh, you're talking about getting down to where you're among the final team standing, and it takes a lot to get there, and everybody is out there trying to win their games. Uh, sometimes it just it doesn't work out, and there are just, you know, it, the NFL is a game of matchups, and like it or not, right now, the 49ers are, are just a bad matchup for the Cowboys. Um, I think that's well said, Tom. Um, I mean, it, it would be tragic to have to watch Dallas face them again. And again, we would all love to see it happen, but we'd all be super terrified of it. I mean, that's just kind of the way things go. Um, so that's a fair question, Danny. Uh, you mentioned that, that it would be Mike McCarthy. But, but to your point, Tom, about not freaking out or firing anybody, at, at this moment in time, since 2021, I think we're all willing to give Mike a pass for 2020 because of the DAC injury, right? Uh, and 2021 does line up with the acquisition of Micah Parsons and Dan Quinn. But since 2021, the Dallas Cowboys are tied for the most regular season wins in the NFL. I know that's regular season wins and you don't hang banners, but they're tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. They have more wins than the 49ers. They have more wins than the Philadelphia Eagles, than the Buffalo Bills, than the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, I mean... If we're throwing the baby, like this isn't throwing the baby out with the bathwater. This is throwing the whole house away. You know what I mean? Like it would, it would be, you know, irresponsible, categorically irresponsible. Um, if y'all are ready, I have my things I trust the least and the most, and then we can wrap up. Let's do it. For the podcast audience, they all nodded their head. Thank you, Ravel, for providing an audio uh, quality there. Uh, I trust um, the ability to generate turnovers the least. Um, 
just because it's so unpredictable. Um, mm-hmm. The Cowboys benefited so greatly, obviously, on Sunday by having three fumbles forced. <laughs> I, I would argue uncharacteristic fumbles from the superstars of the Eagles. And that was those are big helps. I mean, the first fumble, kudos to Donovan Wilson, obviously. But, I mean, it felt kind of inevitable that Philly was going to score there. And, I mean, those are such swings um and you can you could be coached to do those things and et cetera et cetera but you there is a degree of turnovers that is simply out of your control i mean that's just the nature and the reality of it and so um i mentioned bob Sturm. he has pointed out the cowboys three losses this season uh have all come um when they did not generate any defensive takeaways although they did technically generate one against the niners because christian mccaffrey ran over jordan lewis in the wrong way and the ball wound up in in his chest uh so didn't generate a single turnover against the Cardinals. They lost. Generate didn't generate a single one against the Eagles and in Philadelphia, and they lost. And for that matter, the Eagles did fumble three times in that game and recovered all three. So, like to Tom's point, any day it could be any stroke of luck. It could mm-hmm. be three fumbles in Philadelphia that are all recovered, or three in Arlington that you recover. I mean, it simply sometimes is just a game played with an oblong shaped ball made out of leather. Um, so you know that is what it is. But the thing that I trust the most. Um, I I I I know this is a general way to put it, but I trust the Dallas Cowboys the most. I mean, like I I can't. It, I have such a calm and and passive way of, of feeling about this team. Like there are obviously understandable emotions, but I wasn't nervous going into Sunday. I don't think any of us were. I mean, and I know that some of that is the fraudulence, so to speak, that the Eagles have shown and displayed. But at the end of the day, they were a ten and two team that was undeniably the best team in the NFL last year. Thank God they didn't win the Super Bowl. I mean, like, and the Cowboys trounced them. I mean, like, it wasn't ever close. I, like, none of us were worried when the Fletcher Cox strip sack fumble return happened. Like, nobody was ever, like, I think, worried that anything was going to happen. So I trust the Dallas Cowboys in a way that I don't think I've ever trusted the Dallas Cowboys in my life. I mean, um, I don't mean to make any of you feel old, uh, but I was in high school, as my senior year of high school, when the 2007 season happened. And that was, I think, a naive level of trust, like like a, a not, you know, not having burned your hand on the stove yet kind of trust. Just thinking like life is perfect. Everything is rosy and sunshiny and it always works out this way. And then you have to you have to be hurt. You have to have your heart broken. You have to you know, you have to be shattered. You have to be emotionally damaged to understand how precious and valuable everything is. And so while I do understand all of those things, I trust them to take proper care of it. Um, I think I think it's an old wives tale that if you give a dog an egg, they they like instinctively know not to crack it um, in their mouth. I don't know if any of you can corroborate that. Maybe I made that up. Maybe it's a Mandela effect sort of thing. Uh, I'm certainly not going to test it. Presuming that is true, um, I trust the Cowboys to be like the proverbial dog with an egg in their mouth. They know it's too delicate to break. They understand how precious this opportunity is. They understand that these are rarefied opportunities that they are creating based off of their hard work, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. But they also understand that like beating the Eagles 33-13 on December 10th ain't crap compared to what you know the shadow is that lives over all of their heads. So that's what I trust the most. It's a good answer, and I honestly think that we – we feel com- way more confident with this Cowboys team right now than we did earlier. And as far as San Francisco, I, we all share the same fear too. But I feel like I feel like we have a shot. We have a shot to beat them. I feel like, I mean, I think they're the better. It would be team, poetic. I do, I do think that we have a, we have a shot. I think it's going to be one of those close games, and that's why I do think it will come down to something that's going to just like the, that didn't go right. And I don't think it's going to be Dak this time. I don't think there's going to be anybody that can say Dak didn't deliver in the in the postseason because I, I really think Dak is playing extremely well. 
And I have a lot of confidence in these other things. So that's why I'm just like, I'm really nervous because I don't know what it's going to be, but I know we'll be talking about it on one of these roundtables. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of, it is time to crown a winner. We went very long, uh, but how could we not when we had three of the OGest of OGs? Um, it was a close race at the very top. Danny, I don't think it's a shock that you're coming home with the bronze medal here today, but there's no shame in that. I mean, two elite competitors that you were up against. Uh, Rabble, it was a photo finish. But Tom narrowly edged you out. He showed what? up not even in the eleventh oh, hour. In, in the, in curse the you, Piney Woods! Congratulations to Tom Ryle. All he does is win around here. Tom, you are tonight's roundtable winner. How are you feeling, sir? Well done, I, sir. I'd like to thank my dog for shutting up when he started having a barking fit. Test the egg thing. Test the egg thing right now. <laughs> oh, I've got three of them here, and I am not about to try. <laughs> <laughs> He would like to thank Danny Phantom for inviting him to the show. Yes, very. Thank you very much, Danny. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, I just I've been kind of, uh, you know, my my schedule's been a little unpredictable of late about many things. So I don't like to sign up for these because I keep having things pop up that prevent me from uh, coming on. But thank you for the invite. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was good to see uh, the, the the guys here tonight, and that includes you very much, RJ. I, uh, I've missed having my chances to interact with you. It's like it's like um, bringing your buddy to be your wingman, and he walks away with the girl. Well, if it makes you feel better, Rabble, you didn't bring him. Um, Danny did. No, so Danny, Danny did. No, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm Danny, you, you can. I got uh, what I deserved. Have, you can have your words with Danny on uh, on the Star Seminar on Friday. Oh. For anyone who uh, appreciated tonight or enjoyed tonight, you can actually hear these gentlemen every single week on the Blog and the Voice Podcast Network. Every Thursday, you can hear Tom with Roy White on Riled Up, and every Friday, you can hear Danny Phantom and Rabble Rouser on the Star seminar once again if you like in any capacity anything the blog and the boys does you have a debt of gratitude that you owe to these three gentlemen and many 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 more danny phantom rabble rouser tom Rowell, it was a great pleasure uh rabble thank you so much for stopping by your first round table this season yeah it's been a while uh, hopefully i can do another one next time uh next time they uh they beat uh the hated philadelphia eagles in the playoffs we we need you here to keep Danny Phantom in check. Um, so actually, Danny, um, Rabble took an opportunity to crap on the Eagles. Tom did as well. So why don't you send us home with some disparaging remarks about the American predatory birds that the Cowboys embarrassed on national television on Sunday night? You know what? I I, I tweeted it after the game, too. You know, they, they the Eagles get credit for closing out games, you know, and they, they know that the ABC always be closing. But I think it's time to move on to the DEF, which is Dallas exposes the frauds. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today